0: Houston, it's rodeo time. Your local Tacova store is the place to go for the finest handmade cowboy boots, jeans, belts, cowboy hats, and apparel for men and women. If you've never owned boots before, let them help you get your first pair like they did for me. Stop by one of your local Houston Tacova stores and get ready for the rodeo with their understated approach to western. Whether it's your first rodeo or you're a seasoned pro, your local Tacova store is the place to go for rodeo season. Takovas, Don't Go Gently. Hey everyone, it's Raheel. El Nino, El Nino, El Nino. I keep hearing about El Nino in regards to this year's hurricane season. But what exactly does that mean? And how will El Nino impact Houston when it comes to storms? ABC 13 Chief Meteorologist Travis Herzog joins me today to help us learn about El Nino and the hurricane season forecast for this year. Before we get to today's conversation, I have a quick favor to ask. CityCast is surveying our listeners to help us make CityCast Houston a better, more useful podcast for you. And we've got a short survey at citycast.fm survey. It's only five minutes long and it's all multiple choice. We timed it. I promise it's quick. When you complete the survey, you'll be eligible to win a $250 Visa gift card. And in the interest of full transparency, we need 100 people to do it. So I'm asking you to be one of those 100. Thank you so much. That's citycast.fm slash survey. It's Monday, June 5th. I'm Raheel Ramson and here's what Houston's talking about. Travis, welcome into CityCast Houston. I'm so pumped to chat with you, man. How are you? Hey, it's a
1: pleasure to be here. Uh, Hot off the trail of being five days in Washington, D.C., I'm a little worn down (laughs) from all the walking across our nation's capital, but had to get back in time for the start of hurricane season and and hopeful that this season will be a quiet one for us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to talk about hurricane season in just a second. But before we start, I've got a really important question for you. Okay, I'm ready. Did you ever keep any of those cardboard cutouts from Kroger's when they were all over? <laughs> okay, so year one that they, that they did that
1: for me, I took some home and it freaked my kids out a little too much. So he stayed for one Christmas break and then he went back to the station and has not returned home ever since.
0: Oh my gosh. Is that wild when you just walk into any grocery store and you just see yourself, you know, with the hurricane guide? If you haven't seen them, Houstonians, I then I don't know, you're just not walking around because they're everywhere. What is that feeling like? I'm
1: not gonna lie. It's a little weird. The first year, but by year two, you just get over it. You're like, you know what, I need to eat. I'm walking into the store. It doesn't matter. But I will tell you this, Raheel, we have new redesigned cutouts this year. Okay, big surprise. Wait till you see it this year. I've got company. So,
0: ooh, all right. All right. I can't wait. So, let's talk about hurricane season. 2023 hurricane season is officially on right now. But the one thing that I'm I hear every time when we talk about this season is El Niño. El Niño, El Niño. What exactly does that mean? El Niño stands for the boy,
1: and it's because around Christmas time, the 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 fishermen in Peru and South America notice that hey, the water gets really warm sometimes at Christmas time. And so El Nino is an ocean pattern, and it's warm water along the equator in the central and eastern Pacific. And it happens every few years. It's kind of, there's this cycle that occurs, but we actually haven't had an El Nino since 2015. Mm. And so we have not been in the middle of a hurricane season with an El Nino in quite some time. And that's one reason why it's been so hyperactive these last several years. Uh, Starting in 2017, the hurricane started attacking with Harvey. It was the first big hurricane that had made landfall major hurricane in a long time in the state of Texas and across anywhere in the country. And it's just seemed like we've been under attack ever since. So we care very much about El Nino because what typically happens with an El Nino is that warm ocean water, it changes the jet stream patterns across the globe. And in the Atlantic Basin, you get stronger winds that you'd think strong winds, wouldn't that be good for hurricanes? No, hurricanes like weak winds to develop. When you get strong, what's called wind shear, when the wind's changing direction with height and speed, it tears these things apart. And so we like El Nino because it usually gets the number of storms down. The less storms that are out there, the lower the odds someone's going to get hit. But we always like to say, no matter what the season calls for, it only takes one to make it a bad season. I did some interesting research though, Raheel, since 1950, which is about as far back as the reliable El Nino, La Nina records go, since 1950, not a single hurricane has hit Texas when there's an active summertime El Nino. Wow. We're not there yet. Yeah. We're, we're not there yet. We need to get there, but we're almost there. That doesn't mean it can't happen, but it de- definitely, for Texas anyway, greatly reduces the odds of a hurricane strike. We can still get tropical storms. And as we know, anyone that spent any amount of time here, a tropical storm can still wreak havoc. But usually El Nino's cause the amount of storms to go down and the strength of storms is usually lower as well. So we like El Nino.
0: So with El Nino, th- that's good for hurricanes. But as you mentioned, tropical storms, 2015 was the last time we had an El Nino year. I know I remember this because my daughter was born in 2015 and we had the Memorial Day floods and yes. we, we had so much rain activity. Does that mean with an El Nino year, we're going to have a lot more major rain activity storms? Typically, that will happen at some point during the peak of an
1: El Nino cycle. And in 2015, we were we were in the peak of the El Nino. So right now we're on the front end of it. So if we don't see the big rains picking up now, give it a year or two and we likely will. Unfortunately, I mean, that's that's the story of Houston when it comes to weather is flooding. And so we had those big rains that started in 2015, the Memorial Day flood, the tax day flood in 2016. It seemed like every holiday we were just getting slammed yeah. with some new flood. We may be entering back into one of those cycles. Does't mean necessarily that your house is going to be impacted greatly. But there may be parts of Houston or parts of Southeast Texas that do experience some significant rain events over the next couple of years.
0: So how long does an El Nino cycle run in terms of years? Most El Ninos last one or two years.
1: Um, It's rare for them to extend beyond that. And it's really fascinating, Raheel, how an El Nino develops in the first place. So when there's not an El Nino going on, like the last three years, we've been in La Nina, which is the opposite pattern. It's colder than normal along the equator in the Pacific. Well, the way that happens is you have winds that blow from South America across the equator towards Indonesia, and that long push of wind causes the water to pile up in that part of the Pacific Basin over towards Australia and Indonesia. And the water actually gets to be anywhere from one to sometimes three feet higher in the Western Pacific than the Eastern Pacific. And so the reason the El Niño happens is the wind can no longer hold all that water up And so it's like sloshing back in a bathtub and it starts spreading back east and all that warm water that's been piling up there near Australia, Indonesia, comes towards South America. And so that's why you have these one or two year seasonal cycles. Mm. But there can be long stretches where we have neither El Nino nor La Nina. And we call that La Nada. And (laughs) when you look at the data that's actually when Texas gets the worst hurricanes. If you look at the Lanada years, it's like the who's who of hurricane hits. You've got Carla, you've got Alicia, you've got Ike, you've got Harvey, just these massive hurricanes tend to come when we have neither El Nino, nor La Nina. So we kind of like one of those two to be going on, at least when it comes to Texas history.
0: Yeah, so it's like a natural protection for the city of Houston and Texas.
1: It can, but we also don't want to assume that it could never happen just because it hasn't happened before. So we always caution, while it looks favorable, we still want everyone to be prepared just in case we get one of those rare events.
0: So you, you hinted at this because of El Nino. It looks like it's going to be a less aggressive hurricane season. So what are the models predicting right now? So we have two competing influences. So El Nino, La
1: Nina explains a, a large part of what happens during the hurricane season, but not all of it. And sometimes you can have these years that kind of go against what you typically expect in an average El Nino or an average La Nina. And the two things that are arguing for a more active hurricane season are we just have ridiculously warm water spread throughout the Gulf, the Atlantic, the Caribbean. And warm water alone does not cause hurricanes, but it does provide the fuel that you need for them that can potentially make them really strong. The other thing that argues for an active hurricane season is what's called the West African monsoon. We talk about these tropical waves, they come out of Africa. So what happens is in the summertime, there's these huge storms that form on the African continent. And as they go around some of the mountainous terrain in the Eastern part of the continent, it starts generating these little pockets of low pressure, these tropical waves that then track across the tropical Atlantic. And we typically get on average about 60 of those a year. Well, based on what we're seeing right now, it looks like we might have a larger than normal number of tropical waves. And each one of those has an opportunity to become a tropical storm or a hurricane. Roughly 10% of those will eventually develop into a hurricane. But that's not the only way we can get hurricanes to form. It doesn't have to be from a tropical wave. Hurricane Alicia that hit Galveston and Houston in 1983 is an example of a hurricane, a Category 3 that formed, and it wasn't even a tropical Wave. It was a thunderstorm complex that came out of Louisiana, Mississippi and it got over those warm Gulf waters and immediately spun up into a tropical storm and eventually became Hurricane Alicia. And the thing we like to point out about 1983 is that there were only four storms that formed that year and you'd think four storms were, we're, we're in the money, right? But one of them happened to be Alicia, the first name storm of the season, and hit us. And that's why we have adopted the mantra of it only takes one. And so we always want to be prepared. No matter what the numbers call for, it just takes one storm in the wrong spot for it to be a bad hurricane season for us.
0: Are there any indications or any indicators that say like, oh, this could happen this year, like another Hurricane Harvey?
1: No, that's impossible to tell ahead of the season. There are some um, forecast groups that are pioneering some work uh, predicting where storms may go. Not exactly what town's going to get hit, but hey, we think Texas might have a greater chance this year, or we think Florida might have a greater chance this year, but no one can tell you more than two weeks out. Um, even if the storm's going to form, much less where it's going to go. So we've gotten a lot better at predicting where they will go once they form. An example of that is today's five-day forecast, five days out, is as accurate as a one-day forecast was in 1980. And the thing to point out about Harvey too, Rahil, is that we didn't really get hit by the hurricane part of Harvey. We got hit by the outer rain band. So there's, there's different parts to the hurricane. And you often hear that the eye is the best place to be because it's so calm inside the eye. Well, you have to go through hell to get into the eye because you go through what's called the eye wall. And that's where you get those peak hurricane winds. So when we say Harvey's a Category 4 with 130 mile per hour winds, we're talking about around that eye wall. That's what hit Rockport, Texas in 2017. What was unusual about Harvey is you had this big bad hurricane that just stopped and we were stuck in those outer rain bands for days and days and days, the strongest winds we got from Harvey were gusts around 55 uh, recorded at Hobby Airport. So it was more like a tropical storm type impact for us, but the relentless rains is something I know that none of us will ever forget whoever experienced that with us. It it felt like it was the the atmosphere versus all of us as as humans, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And what I like about the aftermath of natural disasters, I hate the disasters themselves. But I love how we come together as a, as a community to lift one another up, love on each other, and help each other out to to rebuild and recover. We're we're resilient people. It's just a way yeah. of life down here.
0: Absolutely, and that's that was one of the good things that come out of it. Preparing for 2023, what tips do you have for our listeners to be ready for that one storm? Right, that it just takes one.
1: Three things that uh, folks at the Hurricane Center would tell you directly because that's what they told me. One is know your risk. Are you in? a part of Southeast Texas or even the city of Houston that is prone to storm surge flooding. What's the storm surge? It's that high tide that comes in with the hurricane. Mm -hmm. Back when Hurricane Ike hit Galveston in 2008, there was a 15 foot storm surge tide that came into the Bolivar Peninsula and it literally wiped the town of Gilchrist off the map. Only a handful of homes were left standing. That's the deadliest and most dangerous part of a hurricane. Most destructive by far is, is the moving water. And so we have to get people out of those storm surge zones. And there are some zip codes on the southeast side of Houston and Harris County as you get into the ship channel closer to Galveston Bay that are in evacuation zones. Now, it would take a category three, four, five to get the water that far inland. So not every storm is going to do it. Uh, but you need to know your risk. What's your risk of wind damage? Uh, you know, know, know if you're in a, an evacuation zone or not. And we only evacuate for storm surge. And it's not like just some wave that comes in, it's the, the literally the Gulf of Mexico goes up 15 feet and stays that way for hours on end. And then you have giant waves on top of that. So you do not wanna cross paths with that. It's, in some cases, it's 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 unsurvivable. The second thing then is once you know your risk, you need to develop some sort of a plan and gather supplies. So um, most of us don't live in evacuation zones. And and the thing that we are encouraged to do if we don't need to rely on electricity for medical equipment and other, and other needs, Uh, is is to hunker down and so be prepared to stay put for three days with food and water so that you let the hurricane pass and then let them clear up the roads and get the power lines off the ground and then if you need to get out get out after that Um, or if you do have a legitimate reason to evacuate beforehand um, make that part of your plan figure out where you could stay elsewhere in the state if you have family or friends elsewhere or if you need to rely on a shelter or if you do have medical needs or, or you're elderly or you have elderly loved ones that need to get out ahead of time because of their medical conditions, you can dial 311 and set up, pre-register them uh, to uh, to evacuate.
0: All right, finally, before I let you go, what is it like being at the station during a major storm where you know you have to be there, your entire team has to be there, you're the chief meteorologist, what is that feeling like and how much sleep do you get? Very little sleep, I'll answer that one
1: right out of the way. Out of the way. We usually go on 12 hour shifts, 12 on, 12 off, but it's honestly difficult to to fall asleep. Because there's so much happening and you want to see what's happening next. You want to help where you can. And it's really hard to stay away from, to just set your work down and be like, okay, I'm going to check out for 12 hours. No, we're, we're getting blasted. Right. It's, it's a, it's a major event, but we, we have a sense of real purpose and mission as we go about our job. And and the last time that I did that during a hurricane was, was during Harvey. And I was, I was the one on shift when, when the bad flood hit Houston on that Sunday morning, um, August 27th. And I'll never forget that we're starting to get these photos coming in of people sitting in the crawl space of their attics and their legs are dangling out and there's water coming up to their feet. And that can be really traumatizing when you see the the devastation that's happening. You're hearing the pleas of people begging to be rescued out of their attics and they have no way out. They're trapped. Um, it's, It's really, really challenging. But when you're in the moment, the adrenaline's there and you're just focused on, I've got to get the information out to the people. And so when I finished my 12 hour shift, I realized I hadn't had a sip of water or a thing to eat in twelve hours. I was dehydrated um you know and when I, I just kind of crashed after that um, physically emotionally, it was a little bit broken in that moment just you know there's the fear of the unknown we were still expecting more rain to come uh, what how's my family going to fare in this because they' they haven't gotten out of town they're 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 in their neighborhood and, and I'm getting reports of you know, the water's coming up and you know what's going on at home and that's always the challenge for anyone that works during these natural hazards when these are coming through um, and so but it's one of those things where we know that's just the way it is so in a way i in those moments i consider ourselves like trauma surgeons you hope you never really have to go visit a trauma surgeon but you're very grateful for what they do if they're ever needed, right? And that's kind of what it is when when it comes to the weather. You know, we hope you'll join us on a day-to-day basis to see what's going on, just kind of have a feel for what potential threats are out there. But we know that most of you are going to really tune in when we know something big is coming
0: well i appreciate all the work that you and the entire team puts in during those major storms we always watch you and i watch you on the good days too all right hey look it's (laughs) 85 degrees with no clouds i'm watching all right yeah i just need you to confirm it so i appreciate everything you guys do have you seen our new meteorologist yet no not yet
1: yes so we have we have expanded our weather team raheel we are the largest weather team in houston maybe texas now Uh, We have six degree meteorologists. We um, have just added Elise Smith. She comes to us. Last TV market was in Buffalo, kind of grew up in the Midwest. And um, so by adding Elise, we're going to be able to provide a whole lot more content to people. She'll be working the weekend evenings. Rachel Breyers is moving to the weekdays. And when Elise is here on the weekdays, she's also going to be doing weather and climate reporting, telling the, the weather and climate stories that matter most to our community so we are just really excited to expand our team and 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 serve the community better as we go into this hurricane season
0: that's perfect congratulations on the growth of the team and continued uh, success to everything you guys are doing
1: thank you so much
0: Before we go, ERCOT has said that we have enough resources to operate the electric grid reliably with limited outages during the summer months. But if any issues do arise, they'll be using a new communication tool to better alert customers about potential power supply issues. The Texas Advisory and Notification System will email customers when there's a potential for low supply or a need to conserve energy during peak demand hours. You can sign up for the new system with the link in our show notes. That will do it for today. Thank you for listening, and I hope you learned something new. Resources to operate the electric grid reliably with limited outages.